0: But is it not unjust that we hear the gospel over and over and over again while billions perish who have never heard once?
1: He has never seen a spiritual hunger among Muslim people like he's seen now. He said, this is unprecedented. This has never happened in history.
0: He gave us the Great Commission. He's the one who said, go. He didn't say go if it was safe. Go into all the world where it's safe. He said go into all the world.
2: Jesus told his followers to go into all the world. Youth with a Mission is doing just that. And this week on VOM Radio, we'll be talking with two YWAM leaders, sending Christian workers into the hardest places on earth, sometimes even sending them to suffer and die for the gospel. We'll hear how God is at work even amidst that suffering, this week on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves, Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
2: Welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. This week, we have some very special guests with us in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, Gina Fadley and Kevin Sutter. Gina is the past leader of the Frontier Missions Program for Youth with a Mission, or YWAM, and Kevin is the current leader. So uh, we're going to talk about what YWAM is doing around the world, especially focusing on... Uh, the difficult places, the places where nobody's going, the places where nobody's heard the name of Christ and how YWAM is helping to meet that need. And uh, thankfully, Voice of the Martyrs is able in some of those cases to come alongside and partner together and provide some equipment, provide some training uh, to help get that mission accomplished. So Gina and Kevin, uh, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thanks. Good to be here. Gina, you shared this morning some statistics that are uh, pretty shocking and and a little sad about how we fund and and where we send missionaries. Can you share a little bit of that?
0: Out of the population, the current population of the world, say 30% are who we would consider the unreached, which means there's no church, there's no witness of Christ, uh, there's nothing unless we do something. And Of all the missionaries uh, from every agency, from every denomination that is going out uh, to reach missions in the world, only about 2% are going to the unreached. So those who are beyond the reach, the majority, the 98%, by far, are going to where Christianity does exist. And don't get me wrong, we do need to be doing things there. There's training and things to be done, orphanages um, put wells in, over in the reached world. But 98% it's a versus high. 2%, its we call that the great imbalance. It's Something is not out of whack. And to me, it seems so unjust. We talk about the justice issues today, but is it not unjust that we hear the gospel over and over and over again while billions perish who have never heard once. It's unjust. I think
2: it's hard for most of our listeners, American Christians, to understand that there are places in the world where you can live your entire life, you can live to be 80 years old, never even one time hear the name of Jesus, never even one time meet a Christian person, We can't even fathom that, Uh, and yet, as you say, only 2% of our missionary people and our missionary dollars are going to those places where it's needed the most. Why do you think that is?
0: Well, we had to start somewhere, and we've continued in the same places. We did start when they were unreached years ago. Then the church got strong, and we really needed to move. Uh, The workforce needs to move— Uh, And move out when the church is viable and can stand on its own, then we need to shift in gears. And so there has been tremendous change in this. Um, Just at the turn of the century in 1900, there was probably 55, 56 percent of the world's population were unreached. And then by 1970, it had gone down to about 45, 46 percent unreached and now it is down to 30% unreached so it is moving down and in the last uh, century enormously so
2: which is good news that and, is good news and kevin i know that part of YWAM's focus is on hitting some of those some of that 30% getting it down to 25 and 20 and eventually zero what kinds of people are you looking for that will go to those nations, will go to those places and those people groups that, are, that nobody's ever told?
1: I think ordinary people who love Jesus, people who recognize that um, there are these needs in the world—I mean, some people, maybe that are listening right now, just heard about it. That is possible that they don't know 30 percent of the world's population still— has not heard about Jesus in a way they can understand. So you hear about it, and then you begin to pray about it and uh, pray for God to send out workers into his harvest, which is what Jesus told us to do. And it's interesting, that was in uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 2, where Jesus said, uh, pray. He says, harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. and to pray, the Lord of Harvest will send forth workers into His harvest, and uh, those very people that He told to pray were also people that He sent out <laughs> <laughs> two by two uh, out into the harvest field. So I believe it starts first with awareness. Wow, there's a need out there, and then I've got to pray. And then, as a person does pray, an ordinary Christian does pray, some of them are going to start to feel like God is speaking to them to do something about it beyond praying. Keep praying, but do other things. Um, What type of people could that be? Um, Some who have the gift of evangelism, you know, just natural for them to share the gospel. Uh, Those people need to be equipped with how to learn a new language, how to understand a new culture, how to bond with those people as part of the preparation Other people might have the gift of teaching. Other people might have the gift of mercy. They've got hearts of compassion. They want to help with some of the practical needs uh, out in these needy areas. So God uses all types of people, mobilizes them. In in our context within uh, Youth With a Mission, our Frontier Missions uh, branch, we put together teams that hopefully they're made up of people with various gifts and uh, get them out there. And uh, early on in the process, they are uh, making disciples of the local people and then equipping them to make disciples. So as soon as possible, we get the movement happening among the local people, and then we move more into the background. So it doesn't mean we have to be there for a lifetime necessarily. It might happen in you know uh, several years. Go ahead, Gina.
0: One of my uh, real mission heroes is Gladys Aylward, and it wasn't because she did these great things in China, and it wasn't because she rescued lots and lots of thousands of orphans and uh, during the war. But the thing that really impressed me was um, she was ordinary in every stretch of the word. She cleaned houses for a living, uh, and she wanted to go to China. And she was rejected by every mission agency that she knocked on the door of, And she finally kept saving all her meager funds for a one-way train ticket to China and accomplished so many great things. And she was asked, you know, at the end of her life about that. And she said, I wasn't God's choice for what I've done for China. There was somebody else. I don't know who it was, God's first choice. It must have been a man, a wonderful man, a well-educated man. I don't know what happened. Perhaps he died. Perhaps he wasn't willing. And God looked down and saw Gladys Aylward, and he said, at least she's willing. And I thought, you know, that's she's willing. And that's really all we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And in YWAM, we take everyone who's willing. We have a wide door, and we make mistakes. Yes, young people make mistakes, but... um As our founder, Lorne Cunningham, once told me, most of the time it works out all right. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network.
2: We're talking with Gina Fadley and Kevin Sutter. They work with the Frontiers Mission Program for Youth with a Mission, or YWAM. Thank you guys again for being with us. I like what you said about people with different gifts, because I think the you perception do. is, well, I don't stand up in front of people and, and preach, so therefore you don't need me. I'm not a missionary. Anything. Um, you can do anything.
0: Anything in missions that you would do here, you can do it in a foreign land for the sake of Christ.
2: Amen. I hope there are some people listening who hear that and say, well, wait a minute, maybe I should. Now, if... If somebody who's listening wants to connect with some of these unreached groups, where do they find the information? Or, I mean, we mentioned the the way you start out is you pick one and pray for it or pick two or five or whatever. But where do you find them? Where is that information available?
1: One really good website is uh, Joshua Project. So if you go to Joshua Project, they will tell you everything you need to know about unreached people groups in a very simple format.
0: And if you wanted to find us, uh, YWAM Frontier Missions, you could go to ywamfrontiers.com.
2: So joshuaproject.org or ywamfrontiers.com to find YWAM. And uh, and you mentioned prayer is where it starts out, Mm -hmm. um, that you pick a group, learn about them, pray about them, and then see what God does. Because oftentimes as you're praying, God will say, hey, you could— You could be part of the answer to that.
0: And that happens. (laughs) It's been quite amazing how that happens. So watch out when you pray. Pray has power. Sometimes we take that for granted. But it is true. It's like the kerosene poured on the fire. And um, I've seen a couple stories where the very person praying for that unreached tribe or unreached people, one was a particular in mind as a Muslim group, And the woman had prayed and prayed and prayed for this group for years. And while on vacation (laughs) at a Christian guest house in Thailand, uh, by chance, one of the workers there that she met happened to be from that very Muslim people group from another country. And she was amazed and excited. And he had recently become a Christian at the guest house. Because of her research, because of her studies, and her passion, she imparted that to this man, a concern for his own people. And he actually joined you for the Mission and returned to his people group and became a successful evangelist and church planter. So wow. watch out. <laughs> you could be the answer to your own prayer.
2: When we talk about the unreached people, where are we talking about? Where are the places in the world where there are the the biggest pockets or the most people who are in that category of they they've never heard they are unlikely to meet a Christian. Where are those places?
1: I'm pretty aware of those places because that's where we send our workers. So we have workers that are in Northwest Africa so across North Africa into the Middle East and then across through to East Asia. So many people have heard this uh, about this region of the world that we call the 1040 window because it's it's 10 degrees north of the equator to 40 degrees north of the equator, and it stretches from uh, West Africa across to East Asia. So that region of the world is the neediest part of the world. There are unreached people groups now in many other parts of the world too, especially because of... Um, uh, refugees and immigration. Uh, so, we have, they might be even in your own town, which is pretty amazing. But um, that's the region of the world that we're particularly focusing upon.
2: And it's interesting because if you look at the Voice of the Martyrs prayer map, there's a lot of crossover between oh, uh, where those unreached people are and where the persecution is mm-hmm. the heaviest. Yes. What do you see as far as your workers and the, the Christians that are being born in those places, what types of persecution are they facing?
1: We've had—I can't say exactly where this has happened right. you know, on the radio, but uh, we've had some of our own workers imprisoned, tortured, uh, martyred. The ones that have been imprisoned, the ones that have been tortured, I've been able to uh, speak to some of them about their experiences, and um, although it's, it's very painful to even hear about it, let alone to have gone through it, um, I'm amazed at the way God was with him in the midst of it, you know, sitting across the table from an um, uh, Arab friend, hearing his story, and just seeing uh, the life of Jesus in him and saying that he he had gone to this for a few months uh, through imprisonment and torture. And he's, he said, looking back on it, it was one of the greatest uh, times of spiritual growth in his whole life. I mean, it's one thing to hear stories like that. It's another thing to hear your friend talking about it. So our own workers have gone through things like this, but It often is much more difficult for the local people to
2: go through it, but God brings them through it. We're talking with Gina Fadley and Kevin Sutter. They work with the Frontiers Mission Program for Youth with a Mission, or YWAM. And we talked about, you know, what's the qualifications of the people you're looking for? You're looking for them to be willing. Mm -hmm. Um, But how do you prepare them for that possibility? You could be arrested. You could be beaten. You could even be killed. Um, how do you how do you take somebody who's willing and then get them ready to actually go out and onto the battlefield?
0: I'm not sure anyone's ever ready <laughs> for that but God will give us the grace at the time for what he puts us in and our workers who have been in these situations have said just that as many others have. Um, Our our basic, we do have just basic training. We have what we call a discipleship training school. We have the School of Frontier Missions, which is more skill training. But as far as almost anyone going in these days is going to be likely to face this situation. When um, one of our um, friends was martyred in North Africa, I was uh, the international leader, and it really deeply affected me. Um, I just felt, how can we do that? How can we continue to call people out and send them? Is it morally irresponsible? But Christ did that. He gave us the Great Commission. He's the one who said, go. He didn't say go if it was safe. (laughs) Go into all the world where it's safe. He said, go into all the world. And uh, if they persecuted him, they will persecute us. They persecuted the disciples in the early church, they will persecute us. But I was deeply um, impacted by the responsibility of that. And um, I felt like the Lord told us that it is our responsibility when we recruit and when we talk to people about going, what they are likely to face. And they must make that decision. You know, mm-hmm. they will They will make that, and it will be, be between them and Christ, and uh, he will give them the grace needed at the time.
1: You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network.
2: But I sense that, that you have some sleepless nights dealing with that responsibility as the leader. Uh, how do you how do you get through those nights?
1: When I stepped into this role after Gina finished her second term, um, I thought I was ready for the role. I was eager, full of enthusiasm, and uh, more than anything, I was confident that this was something God had for me to do. So I had faith. But within a few months, uh, one of our workers was shot dead. And uh, then the, a couple were put in prison, as I just talked about. And I did have sleepless nights. I What am I supposed to do? What do I do now? How how can I bear this? I had heard in one situation that um, th- this one man that was imprisoned, his wife and his two children went to go see him. And uh, it was th- when they saw him, he, his face was all bruised and he was all battered up and Uh, His wife had wished that she hadn't brought the children to see their dad looking like that. So I'm waking up in the middle of the night uh, thinking about this and praying, obviously, for my friends. And uh, the Lord spoke to me through Proverbs 16, verse 3. In the Amplified Version, it says, roll your works upon the Lord. Those are the first few uh, words of that verse, roll your works upon the Lord. And I thought about that, and this picture came to my mind of a giant boulder, and that that was my works. I mean, that was what I had to deal with. And and I realized if I tried to lift that boulder, it would strain my back. Uh, I couldn't do it, and it would it would be very painful, damaging. Or if that boulder were placed on my back, it would crash hush me and kill me, that this was too much for me. But I could picture myself rolling this boulder onto the Lord. And that's what I I began to do. Lord Jesus, I just roll this upon you. I can't bear it myself. And I just felt uh, a lifting of my spirit and my emotions and my faith. And I realized also that it isn't just in my own strength that I roll that boulder upon him. He even gives me the grace to do that, to roll it. He gives me the power to roll it on him. <laughs> and he can bear that. I can't right. bear it. And I, I began to get things a little bit more into perspective and that it isn't up to me to carry this weight. But as Gina said, uh, that you wonder, is this a to be sending people or even... Even if I didn't send them to be supportive and say this is a good thing. Is, is that right? Absolutely, it's right because it's what Jesus did and it's what he's commissioned us to do. One of my friends wrote to me a couple of weeks ago. He's European and his wife is Asian and they're, they're in Europe right now. And the country where they work is a very dangerous place right now in, in the news. And uh, the people in his community and in his church there in Europe are saying, maybe you shouldn't go back. Maybe this is not a good time to be in your country. Though they have lived there for over 20 years, it is more dangerous than ever before. But they said the Lord spoke to them uh, through the very simple uh, passage where Jesus says, I send you out as sheep sheep. Among wolves, I'm sending you out. You know, you're my sheep, and there are wolves out there, but I want you to go. And they have complete peace. We're going back. Confidence. No matter what happens, they know that it's in God's hands. And I am I am so impressed by faith like that. And they have great love for the people that they work with. Those people don't have the option of going home right. because home is right in the midst right. of this trouble
2: and there's something uh, very powerful about suffering alongside people, uh, especially when you could leave. You know, you guys could go home, but you're here with us, you're in the fire with us. Um, As we think about the places where you're working, and I know that we have listeners who are uh, mission-minded, what would you say is the hardest situation to plant a church in, in terms of Muslim, Hindu, maybe animistic, tribal religion? Is there one that you would say, oh, that's the toughest nut to crack? Or does each situation present its own challenges and and difficulties?
0: Each situation. Now, historically, and if you look, it is uh, animistic and tribal people are more receptive. So it has been easier to plant churches there, which is why that has happened. Where the church is not established. It's been more difficult and therefore there's not a church there. Um, there's several reasons why there's no church, but you know, it's it's information, it's been um a Christian apathy at times, it's been building on where we already are, but often it is resistance, uh governments who um say, This is the religion of the king, you must be this religion. Um but I would have said at one point maybe Buddhists were. But then you have Korea. What happened there? Amazing. Amazing God intervened and and turned that into a very Christian nation in South Korea. So much so that they're this one of the largest sending nations of, of Christian missionaries and one of the largest giving nations to Christian missions. That's amazing. Um, but probably over half of our church planting efforts are in the Muslim world. And that would probably be Um, safe to say that that's been very difficult, and it's getting more heated. Uh, One reason that's so is uh, in Hinduism, you can add another religion. Mm -hmm. There's a million gods, so we'll just put Jesus Christ and add him too. You know, that's not as difficult for their worldview. Islam and Christians are both proselytizing. We both feel a mandate to win the world, but I would there say is that, Islam that is the current.
2: Outreach. We've talked a, a lot about what YWAM is doing and what you guys are helping to train people to do, um, but there's some pretty amazing things where God is just doing it, <laughs> and we get to see that. So tell me one or two of those stories where just supernaturally God is doing amazing things.
1: You're, you're right. Amazing things are happening on a broader scale— Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to one of our uh, leaders in the Arab world. He's an Arab himself. And I was asking him about how things are going. And he said he has never seen a spiritual hunger among Muslim people like he's seeing now. He said, this is unprecedented. This has never happened in history. Wow. He said there are gospel programs going out in Arabic uh, throughout the region, uh, radio and television. And there is a huge response. And many people are now uh, following Jesus, but they're, they keep it quiet. They mm-hmm. aren't going public about it. But they even have church in their own home. They're watching TV. They'll serve communion to one another as they're watching TV.
2: Gina Fadley and Kevin Sutter from YWAM have graciously agreed to continue this conversation next week on VOM Radio. I hope you'll be back to hear more about what God is doing, even reaching hardened terrorists like ISIS fighters. Come back next week and join in the rest of our conversation. As always, you can connect with us online and listen to other episodes of VOM Radio at vomradio.net. You can also leave a comment or ask a question at vomradio.net or by calling our comment line 1-800-757-5069. That's 1-800-757-5069. I encourage you this week to pray for those secret Christians in the Middle East. Pray that God will sustain them, encourage their faith, and that he'll help them to connect with other believers. We also talked with Kevin and Gina about unreached people groups. Go to joshuaproject.org and ywamfrontiers.com to learn more. That's joshuaproject.org, ywamfrontiers.com. Pray about how God would have you to be involved in reaching those who have not yet heard the name of Jesus. Thank you for being with us this week. I hope you'll join Gina and Kevin and me for the rest of our discussion next week on the Voice of the Martyrs
0: Radio Network.